Welcome to The Finer Things. I'm Lisa and this is Wes. Hey everybody. And we are podcasting from the Members Only Lounge, Star Lodge in Akron, Ohio. Beautiful Akron, Ohio. Today we are kind of going back to Scotland given my recent trip. Correct. We haven't had a check-in with uh, Lisa yet from her last uh, trip to Scotland. She's gone twice now. Yeah. So this will be a special. Yeah, three times. I've well, done three times. This will be another special episode here. Yeah. <clears throat> now, what are you smoking as she puffs? I've got a Perdona Lot 23 Maduro. It's pretty dark. Very dark. It is. Very, very dark. I will have the LFD La Fior Dominica Double Libro. Dark wrapper as well. It is pretty dark. Dark, not too full flavored, but hits the point. Yeah. Now, what do we have here? Well, this is a Glen Alachi. It is from Speyside. This is a single cask 2006. It's unopened. Unopened bottle. Let's be clear here. This is a fresh, unopened bottle. Now, the cask type is PX Hogshead. That essentially means it's a sherry cask. And the PX stands for uh, Pedro Menez, the type of sherry. And uh, it gives a really nice flavor. Now, what is special about this bottle is that I was in Scotland on my birthday, and um, we arranged to take a tour of Glen Alachi. While she's talking about the tour and her birthday, I will be here. Opening, opening the bottle. And so this this tour, it was just me and my boyfriend on the tour. Two it people. It had to be awesome. It was amazing. I'm a big, huge fan of everything that Glen Alachie does. And their master distiller is just this wicked, brilliant dude. Don't mangle it. Not mangling. You're mangling. I'm not mangling. Anyway. So, this bottle was filled directly from the cask by me on my birthday after we got this private tour. And so that's what's going on with that. If you look on there, it's got my birth date because you got to fill that out for the tax man. For the tax man, date bottled July 31st in the year of our Lord, 2019. Bottle number 105. And that's right. It's got numbers on there. I had to fill out a book for the tax guy so that he knows when that bottle was sold, to who it was sold, all that sort of thing. And it's aged 13 years. So we've got a distilled date of June 19th, 2006, and the obviously the date bottle. So happy birthday to Lisa here. Now Thank gonna, you. We're going to see if I can't do this with us. Now the thing that makes that tour so much fun Mm, I'm going to smell it, but this is not my birthday bottle, as we can affectionately call that. No, it's her birthday bottle, yum, so yum, we'll yum. let Lisa oh, pour a pour. generous helping, because it is her birthday bottle. I don't know if I can pour. You handle it. I trust him to do this. This yeah, it's is her birthday. dark red, guys. I mean, it. it's kind of got like a... Coca-Cola or Dr. Yes. Pepper sort of a look yes, to it. It's dark. 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 Now, 13, so what? Well, here, here. What should I What should I be looking for here, Lisa? No, I told you everything about it. Okay. It's well, no, a no. sherry cask. We've had sherry casks before. We'll go have, have, a, have a sip there. This is well, your... we've had Glen Allergy before. That's true. And we, we're big fans. We've, we've had 25-year-olds. All right. Cheers. Just Mmm. 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 Sherry comes Isn't right out. Isn't fun? Sherry comes right out. It is beautiful. The It's 2006 cask number 6600, according to the bottle. And I'll read the back of the bottle here for you. It says Kalur, because again, there's a U in it. Mm -hmm. This is the British spelling. Intense, rich mahogany, I would agree. Yeah. Nose, waves of healthy... Heather, excuse me, waves of heather honey, dark chocolate, and mocha with orange zest and a hint of eucalyptus. I agree with all of that. I've got the, uh, I haven't got the orange zest. Uh, taste is the intense dark chocolate, mocha, and treacle with fruitcake. Treacle. 
cinnamon, and orange zest. So that's what the bottle says. All right, so the thing that was really cool about that particular tour, in addition to it was just the two of us, is that it was during their silent season, which means they're not in production. So everything is shut down. So now, nobody, does that mean it's very, it's not busy? There's not that many people there? Or what, what does that mean? It means, yes. But what it also means is that at most distillery tours, you cannot take photographs in the still room itself. Because the insurance companies prevent that they're like liability issues. And anytime not. the insurance companies get involved, we just right. know that's a big bummer. You could theoretically explode something, so they prohibit it. But during the silent season, nothing's in production. So not only could I take pictures in the still room itself, I could take pictures in the stills. In the actual still. Yeah. And I got a couple of different pictures inside there, and it was just, it's really cool. So That's that part was of the awesome. finer things here, is having these one, uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. Absolutely. And we're listening to Lisa recount some of hers again from another trip to Scotland. So, at the Glenalachi uh, Distillery here, so how did you get this private tour? How did this come about? I emailed them, and I played the It's My Birthday, Can We Please Tour card. They were like, Absolutely. See, there you go. All you had to do was, well, how much prep work did that take? I don't know, 10, 15, very, very 15 minutes at best? Getting up the nerve to just ask. To just ask. And so she asks, and she says, hey, it's my birthday. And having a birthday is a pretty easy, easily provable item because she's got a driver's license yeah. here with her birthday on it and everything else like that. How's your cigar pair? It's nice. It's a dark cigar, and this is a dark, dark scotch. So it's pretty beautiful. How about yours? It's working out well. Very, very well. The sherry is working well with the cigar. It's muting almost the cigar's rich and intense flavor. Mine definitely, that's the case. So it is uh, muting it just a little bit. Uh, but it is overall pretty nice. The overall uh, gestalt, if you will, mm. is delicious. So so what other distilleries did you get to there? Or was, uh, how? Uh, well, first let's start I cannot here. answer that. How, <laughs> how long were you there? Because your first trip, um, well, the first trip you talked to us about, you were there for a week? Yep. So how long were you here in Scotland this time? About a week and a half. So 10 days? Yeah, around there. That's a long time. It was perfect. Lots of scotch. I wish I was still there. We are getting that. We might have to do a live remote just I know, for, you we podca- kind of for you dedicated podcast <laughs> listeners. We may have to do a, a live remote there. I'll phone it in by Skype. <laughs> we could tape it over there. That'd be a heck of an idea. Go through customs and everything else like that with the equipment. No big deal. Just ship it over there. Amazon. Well, the customs guys love me because this makes at least twice that they've asked me what my plans are in Scotland. And I say, well, I'm going to visit as as many distilleries as I can. And they're like, with an American, okay. With an American accent and American dollars. And they're like, welcome to our country. And they ask please, me, please, please stay. Are you going to do anything else? And I say, well, nope. I'm going to go hunt for Nessie. I want to go to Loch Ness and I want to see Nessie. And, and then, my, my next question would be, is that before the distillery or after drinking it? Well, that's how we always end up in the conversation with the customs officers. And they let me in anyway. So I guess it's okay. There you go. That's funny. That is super funny. Well, good. So you, this was what number of distillery during your trip? I couldn't even guess. Because there were that many. There were a lot. I mean, we, yeah, couldn't even guess. This was towards the end of the trip. So where did you stay? Did you stay all over the place or do you have one place? All over the place. So when you arrived, uh, you, flew in, you flew into... Inverness. Okay. And what happened there? Inverness is kind of a seaside. It's considered highlands, but if you look on the map... It's about halfway up the country, so you've got a whole lot of Scotland above that, but you don't have a ton of cities or distilleries above that. Because it's very north. As far it's as, really north, and it's really rural. As far as latitude is concerned, also. Yes, and, it is. And to be, uh, for geographical comparison, the state of Ohio has mm-hmm. probably 13 million people. Mm-hmm. The country of Scotland as I want to say 30. Maybe, I don't know. I think about 30 million people, if memory serves, because they're part of Great Britain. And their size is much like the size of Ohio. 
yeah. if memory serves, as far as landmass. I think is it's a little bit bigger. It's, but, well, it's a touch, yeah. bigger, but it, conceptually, it's close a, enough. It's close enough for our purposes. However, Scotland is very north. Uh, much more north uh, latitude-wise than it we are. It is. And that uh, affects its climate. It also is very mountainous. It is. Compared to Ohio and so the Appalachia. You go there, and it is, even in the middle of summer, which I've been the last two times. Because this is August, right? So we're used right. to hot, humid, hot, hot, hot. 85 degrees, 95 degrees, 1,000% humidity. You right. walk outside, it's like, ugh. And there it is cold. And, you know, you'll see these beaches. We went swimming, and everybody's kind of giving us a look like, You're the you American <laughs> fools, what is wrong with you? Do you not realize it's bloody cold out there? And yes, we do get it, but uh, whatever. Yeah, you're tourists, and you're on vacation. Whatever. So that makes sense. So, so you get to Inverness, and when you, you guys rent a car, how's that work? We rented a car. And made sure to request that it was not stick shift. Standard transmission for all those folks who yes. remember what standard transmission actually means. I'm an Okie. It's stick shift. So, you know, we made sure to request that even though Lenny, he's the one that was driving the whole trip. God bless him for that. And even though he can drive a standard transmission... We didn't want to mess with, okay, everything else is on the other side. We're on the other side of the road. We're on the other side of the car. Where the hell are they going to put the stick shift, and how do side. I manage it that? Be on the left side. And so conceptually, it was, you know, that's a bridge too far, maybe. So we were like, just get the automatic. Pay the extra nickel. We got a Mercedes. Oh, my Lord. Look, this is the finer things right there. So we're already... You know what? I'll say it. I'll come right out and say it. It was garbage. It was so crazy. What kind of what kind of Mercedes did you have? I do not remember. Sedan? Yeah. Coupe? Four-wheel drive? I mean, was it a, was it the SUV? What? It was not an SUV. Right. You're not voting well for mm, your... No. This is why we let the... Boy drive, okay? And you know, I'm just going to come out here and say that. Oh, She's like, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, that's okay. I'm always in trouble. But you're, you're like, I have no idea what kind it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What's it matter? It, it's it, just a Mercedes. It well, got us a, around. There's a C class. There's an E class. I mean, there's a there, there's an AMG. I mean, there's a so if you had the base this was model, an F class. All right, because it was a complete fail. Okay, so uh, when you were out and about in the Mercedes when you get up when you got on the car did it go did it pick up and go or did it eh, think about getting up and then go and more thought about it okay all right then you were probably in a, in a C2 C200 series sure why probably not maybe right. was it diesel yes there you go that's why I had to think about it because in a diesel engine if you're this is the most basic information that I can give you as a non engineer but in a diesel engine, you have to hit the gas pedal, the the, the right, the accelerated valve, right? You hit that, and then there is a moment where the diesel engine has to think about it and then go. Now, in countries that don't have a ton of petroleum, like the great U.S. of A., where we get, right now, think about it, it's $2.35 a gallon, and it goes to three fifty. we are ready to pitchfork in the street. Ready to pitchfork in the street. Over there, they sell it by the liter, yes. those metric folk. And diesel is way cheaper than their gasoline, but sure. it's still way more expensive than what we would we would actually consider paying. So, and not okay. to trademark infringe, but this has been car talk with Wes. And Lisa. <laughs> Click and clack the tappet, brother. Love that those was, guys. It was a great show. Love those guys. Great show. Um, so you had a you had a you had a diesel Mercedes that was automatic. Okay, so I, I'm, we're trying to paint the picture here. And so did you? Uh, <laughs> So let me paint the picture. Yeah. We landed in Inverness fairly late at night after having been on airplanes for a long time. You didn't take a direct flight from uh, the CLE? We went from Cleveland to Chicago and then Chicago direct to Inverness. Well, that's a hike. The Chicago to Inverness should have been... No, wild. no, no. I take that back. Chicago to London and then, and then to Inverness. Okay, that makes more sense because if you were going to fly direct to Inverness... I would have picked. That's some, a tiny airport. I I would have either picked uh, a flight where you would have a layover in Iceland, Reykjavik, mm -hmm. uh, Heathrow, or Glasgow. Um, if you would have gotten from Toronto, because I know you would fly from Toronto sure. 
And at least from the, like I said, geographically here, if I'm remembering my eighth grade mm-hmm. map right, I mean, it's really easy to get from Cleveland to Toronto and then sure. fly from Toronto to uh, in at least to one of the major ports over Sure. There. And the last time that I went, um, last summer, it went from, I want to say, Newark to... The one still good. Yes. Always. To um, Amsterdam. And then Amsterdam to Inverness. This time it was London Heathrow to Inverness. So what was the hike? It was a long hike. A couple we of get off the plane. It's late tired, at night. Sure. We get the car and go straight to the motel. Um, we'll keep the light on for you. It was not a Motel 6. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And we get there and we have to get up really early. Now, this is a vacation, morning. right? Right. So, walk us through the decision to get up early. Because there are some people, like, okay. for instance... Well, I was about to. Well, and, uh, so there's some people who, when they go on vacation, they're sure. like, listen, I'm going to be on a beach. And again, this is about knowing yourself. Part of the finer things is Absolutely. you want to you know yourself and what you're here for. Lisa's going to Scotland for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is sc- single malt scotch whiskey. Well, as a matter of fact, we were going... And we had to get up early so we could go to a beach. But it's not the kind of beach you're thinking of. It's a Scottish beach. And it was, we went to the Islay. So we had to book it to catch this ferry that we had tickets for so that we can get over and see all that beautiful peak single malt. So so her, it was very important. She Those are a, our favorites, so we had, had to, to book it. And it was because of a ferry. Yes. Think, think about it. This is the year 2019, mm-hmm. and we're pretty close to 2020, and we, we still have to transport humans and cars by ferry. Well, they had airplanes available, but I mean, it costs more, and the ferry is scenic, and it's just kind of fun. It's a fun way to travel. I like it. I just want my teleporter. That's all I'm asking for. Well, I'm in for that, but my daughter hasn't invented one yet. Yeah, that's what I'm in for. So... You take the ferry. Is it one of the? Did you take the car? Obviously. So yes. you so you hop on there now. How big is Islay here? Um, I mean it's small, but it's big enough. I would compare it to, uh, probably to Oahu, did Hawaii. You, did you spend the entire day or two days there? We spent about two and a half days there. Because the way the ferry schedule runs, you get there and right about anywhere from five minutes to an hour after you arrive, all of the distilleries are closing. So you're not going to see anything that day. Um, so we ended up... So you got to kill that evening at the local yeah. pu- poor house, the local public house. We got After you check in, obviously, and relax. And we got an Airbnb where we stayed the entire time that we were there, two nights. And How was that experience? It was good. I've done Airbnb before. I think it's the first time Lenny has. I like it. And it's for, different, though. And for those of us that don't know what an Airbnb is, an Airbnb is somebody's house. Yes. It's not a hotel. Sometimes you're staying in the house with them. I've had... Some really great experiences. You've got to be careful. Use your stranger danger safety. Um, this time, it was the entire flat to ourselves. So, so it's just you guys? Yep, just us. So you check in, you relax. Yep. Have a relaxing evening. And well, then... we stopped and we bought a bottle of Jura and Jura Journey. And that was kind of our bottle that we're going to drink it while we're in country, and it's going to be empty by the time we leave. So we get to experiment with it. We get to try something new that we haven't tried before. And what is that? What kind of... Jura is, um, I think it's on the West Coast. I don't think it's on an island, but it's far West Coast. We're talking similar to an Oban, which a lot more people are familiar with. Not so, Oban, as uh, we might say, because we've got a local high school here that starts with a little letter right. H. So everybody would confuse, and that's okay. So it's pretty good. It's kind of got a lot of the same sort of flavors as an Oban does. So something you know, something you like, something to. Yeah. This is uh, symbolic of where we are. This is going to be our little thing. Right. For the we trip. hadn't tried it before, so we thought, well, why not? 
And we're not stopping by the distillery because we had to go so fast to get on the ferry to get over, and there's no time to circle back to it once we get back to the mainland. And so she's going for the gusto, just buying the entire bottle. Now, did you try it before you bought the bottle? Nope. It was at a little grocery store kind of thing. Gutsy call. That's a gutsy call. I mean, that's uh, when we talk about the finer things, that is a gutsy call. I, I like it. It's Pura adventurous. Is a, is a um, solid brand. I knew that already going in. So it's like, it's kind of low risk. You can't go too wrong with it. Well, low risk still means low risk. Sure. So good. So we got a bottle. We got through the ferry. Mm-hmm. And what's the first distillery you hit? <laughs> we... We went to, there are currently nine distilleries on the island, and, um... How many did you get? Technically, all nine. Now... That's how you can tell what she does for a living, when she starts a sentence with, technically. Yes, this definitely has an asterisk (laughs) by it. So, one of the distilleries... She was juicing, juicing. that's why there's an asterisk. We went to Kaila, very first... And that's the technically, because they are closed for renovations right now. They are the biggest one on Eilie, and they are currently closed. They're still in production, but you can't tour anything. You can't go to the visitor center. All of that is shut down. Because they are renovated. Right. But they are owned by the same people as Lagavulin. And I can't remember if it's Diageo. It's one of the big major distributors. But they're owned by the same people as Lagavulin. And so... And we are Lagavulin fans. When you go to Lagavulin, you can also pick up little tchotchkes and the scotch from Kaula. So technically, I, I mean, I was in their parking lot. I went to all nine distilleries. Now, there's a lot of people out there that are familiar with the island and they're like no there's eight distilleries you don't know what you're talking about the ninth one opened in may of this year why is so that's the controversy it's brand new the controversy it just means you're a little behind the times but check it out because jim McEwen, master distiller and absolute god of scotch this dude, I love that man. She has her hands in the air, just so I'm, we, we're clear. I'm, this is good It's full-on hallelujah kind of moment. That's what my hands are doing. And I love that guy. He came out of retirement to start Ardenahoe. We went there. They are brand new, so they don't have any product out yet. Right, because, as we've talked about, the problem with 10-year-old scotch takes 10 years. It takes 10 years to make. And for scotch in particular, it's required to be at least three years or it's not called scotch. So can, so think about this. They're setting up a brand new facility and we're talking millions of dollars to invest here. I mean, this is not a uh, something you can do in your bathtub with any real success. I mean, we're not right. in that day and age. So you've got to go through this process. You've got to pay labor. You've got to keep right. the lights on and all of that stuff for a minimum. Of three years. And even then. And that's then, three-year-old scotch. And you're then. You're going to want a little longer than that. You could taste that scotch and be like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. This is terrible. And then you're like, well, I, you've just wasted three years. And so that's a, I mean, this is a big deal. So again, this is, it, when people are like, can you try time travel? Yes. Yes, you can time travel. How do you do so? Scotch is a great way. Yep. Cigars is a great way because you were tasting something. Wine, another another one, sure. especially is wine. You were tasting something that has taken, that existed 25 years ago. Uh, we right. had one of the things that we did, uh, I brought in my bottle of uh, King George from mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Walker. And it was a collection of the uh, scotches that uh, were around when King George was the monarch. Right. Now... If you're not familiar with that, that was an awfully long time ago because the current monarch, Queen Elizabeth, has it's been... It's her dad. That's her dad. And Queen Elizabeth is 90. And right. she has been on the throne... Since she was in her teens, right, I think? For uh, for 20, or early 20. She's been, okay. on, she's been on the throne for more than 65 years. It's been a bit. So, you know, it's been a long time. So this is a lot of, a lot of these distilleries 
I mean, you're talking that old. So when you, we talk about time travel, this is one of the ways that you can do it because this is the same scotch that the King of England drank, and that was his preferred scotch. So not often can you say that because there's been a queen for an awful long time. So anyway, we're we're here. We're on the island. We, you hit the parking yes. lot, and we, again, technically we were there. <laughs> we hit to the first state. We went to Cowila and um, Ardenhoe. And then checked in for the night, had a lovely bite to eat. I cannot remember what it was right now. What, um, which one did you, did you tour either one of those? No, because the tours were closed for the day. Because they only did, they only did them at a certain time. So did you do any sampling? You had to do some sampling. We did sampling. Cowila being closed, definitely not. Um, at Ardenhoe, they have a couple that they've got on offer, and we sampled both of them. I only remember one of them, but it was a combination of five of the Eiley distilleries. So was it blended? No. Okay. Because remember, we've talked about what a blended is and what a single malt is. It is. It's blended, but it's not a blended scotch. It's a single malt. It's just a combination of. So... How did you enjoy that? It was good. Lenny enjoyed it more than I did. He brought a bottle of it back, and the had to enjoy it if you bought a bottle. The lovely young man who was the cashier and who was pouring these samples, he had his own theories about what five were included in there, but he admitted, "I don't know. Nobody but Jim McEwen knows." So he came up. He came to the table with honesty. Yeah, he came with honesty, but he also had enough knowledge of his scotches, and in particular that region, that he could say, well, you taste the smokiness here, you're going to get that from this distillery. We are kind of partnered with this other, so naturally we're going to get something from them, most likely. You know, he pointed out different tastes in there. And you, you, you could identify each one. Yes. Like, this one says that it's got the treacle. Treacle is kind of like um, molasses, sort of. And treacle is spelled T-R-E-A-C-L-E. Treacle. Now You will have run into that word if you're British, or if you've read Alice in Wonderland for us Americans. Oh, it always has to go back to Alice in Wonderland. That's for sure. So day one sounds like a, a pretty solid success here. Correct. Uh, we've hit a couple. Uh, now let's talk about sample size. Now mm-hmm. do, in here in America, like if you go to a winery, they'll give you a sample, and you always know which winery gives you a better pour. Sure. <laughs> and arguably speaking, the higher end, the product, I you understand that yes. probably the less of a sample you may be given. Uh, and sure. there may be a cost associated with the sample. So how big were the sample sizes? Were they generous? Were they mid-range? How, how would you rate those? Um, it depends. On the ones where it costs, they're giving you, I mean, it's a pour. You know, you're getting an ounce. You're getting a dram out of this. For the ones that they're pouring for free, it's going to be smaller. But... It's still, Not that much smaller. <laughs> it's still a fairly generous size. So, you know, no argument. You're giving me free scotch, I'm happy to try your free scotch. Well, and that's the big deal because, they again, liquor laws, one of the reasons that makes a, we made America great again, I love using that phrase in contexts all over the place, uh, was that we, we hate ourselves and the fact that of our own liquor laws. Because, it, at least here in Ohio, we don't. Some places just don't sell liquor on Sunday. You can't buy it, and it's not necessary. It's just the way the the area is. I grew up in Oklahoma, which not only can you not buy. Okay, this used to be true. I haven't been there in a while, so I don't know what they've got going on now. But you couldn't even buy beer on Sundays, and what we call beer is three point two percent. Which is really, really weak. Right. So natural light. You couldn't buy natural light. That would be an example here. Most of the places made, like Coors, Budweiser, they made beer specifically for Oklahoma because the market was big enough. They don't want to be locked out. 
and they need to sell product. So they weakened it, and it was worth it. Watered it down. Yep. Watered it down. So, But you'll be surprised by this. So Scotland has its own kind of weird, unique sort of liquor laws as well. Let's, let's talk about that. How so? We stayed close to Bowmore. Um, it was in the city of Bowmore, like right next to the distillery. We could walk to the distillery quite easily. That's a huge factor when you're tasting scotch. And so when we were there on the island, it was it was over the weekend. So I, I can't remember whether the first day that we got to the island was a Friday. I know we were there on a Sunday, and that's when we tried to visit Bowmore. We go in the morning, and they said, well... Thanks for playing. We can't give tours until, I can't remember what time, let's say 10. And we can't sell you anything until 10. But if you want to go upstairs, they can pour you a sample. So you can't sell me anything, but you can give it to me for free. (laughs) The greatest of all technicalities. Okay. I'm in. The greatest of all technicalities. So, in essence, you get there at 9 in the morning, and you've had your uh, scotch egg, and then you're uh, ready to rock and roll. Well, let's bring that up. You have not had a scotch egg for breakfast. You've had a bloody full Scottish breakfast. And before we podcast today, I treated Wes. She did. A local place. We didn't chew uh, food on the air, so you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. That would be an ASMR (laughs) nightmare. Um, I brought in, there's a place in Cleveland that has haggis, black pudding, tatty scones. What all this stuff means is black pudding is, it looks like a hockey puck. Correct. It's made with blood. If you get over the icky squeamishness of that, it's very flavorful and really good. It doesn't taste like blood. It's delicious. It is delicious. I love it. And the tatty scone is, and haggis is haggis. Haggis is, think of a very spiced up meatloaf. I mean, lots of seasoning in there. Your grandma just dumped every seasoning she's got. And pungent. It's Quite and, pungent, and pungent. Yeah. but not offensively so. It's delicious. Yeah, and I'm using pungent in the sense of the word that it, it, it's a very distinct smell. It is. It's. I mean, it's like you know, you smell. You're like, it's haggis. You, yeah. you know, it's like sauerkraut. You're like, it can't yeah. be anything else. Right. It can't be anything else. Now, tatty scones. Um, a scone is kind of like a little, kind of like a pancake, sort of a little thicker consistency. But a lot of that thickness comes from the tatties, which is their way of saying potatoes. Correct. And it's like a pierogi. It's a I, very thin... It's a lot like a pierogi. It's a thin pierogi. and With no filling. There's no filling. So it's an empty pierogi. And so it's that... that think about that consistency, that uh, makeup. Think of a pierogi, but yeah. with no filling. Could you fill a tatty scone? Absolutely. Probably so. Um, you... That's not a tatty. It's not a scone at that point. You're not. You're changing it, obviously, but you could fill it, so it's not unheard of. Um, The thing in um, Scotland, they always eat neeps and tatties, which is turnips and potatoes. And part of that's because of their economy and where they are located in this world. Because again, everything comes from agriculture. Because you need to feed people, Mm -hmm. and you need to be able to grow food. So. But a full Scottish breakfast consists of haggis, black pudding, an egg that's scrambled or fried. Um, you're going to have a tomato on there, some mushrooms. You're going to have the scone. And I, the black pudding. Yeah, I said that one. I think that's it. And, and so, this, I mean, think about the size of a plate that all of that huge. is going to have to occupy. Because, again, after you, again, this is, this is, um, this is your equivalent, like if you've been to college or if you know you're going right. out with your friends and you know you'll be consuming alcohol. Right. You are, You need a warm up. You are carving up. I mean, you are. Or you need some carbs to kind of soak up what you had the night before. Well, that, there goes to that. On too. our journey. <laughs> uh, so you, I mean, when you know that you're going out, it's like 
you, you know, it, it allegedly, obviously, you no, know, because when I was out in college, um, you, if you, if we knew we were going out drinking, you would always carb up. Carb up. We would, you'd have that pasta. You would, you would load that up to that sure. belly, and then you knew three hours later that sure, are you going to diminish the effect of alcohol? No, no, no. But you are going to at least. Give yourself a chance. I know when I've been on keto and we do the podcast, it's really rough because I feel the effects of the alcohol much, much sooner. And, and it's keto- like I am not this much of a lightweight. What's going on here? It's just the physiology of the alcohol. So, so again, having that good what I what I would call a big railroading breakfast because mm-hmm. you know that'd be the American version. So. We've got, and I know, at, what is this, at the Airbnb, or? No. No, we you go find. go to a local yeah. place. Like, what were these, like, the, uh, one of the nice things about traveling, and again, we've talked about this before, uh, as far as the finer things are concerned, is that when you travel, again, every place will have your restaurant chains and everything else like that, where you have right. safe food, where you are no. And the reason that you know that is because it's consistent. It's, right. You know exactly what to expect and how to expect it. But some of the most uh, interesting places are those hole-in-the-wall places mm-hmm. where, in this case, you've got this, uh, an older Scottish lady who has this thick accent. And uh, you may not understand. You know, oh, you can't understand. You, you know it's English, but you look at her and you're like, I-, I know this is English. I know I should be able to understand this, <laughs> but I have no idea what you're saying. And in essence, the gist of it is, gist of it is just eat this, eat this, yeah. eat, eat, try this, eat this, try that. And, and those are the places that you would, did you find any of those kinds of places? I did. Actually, while we were on the island, we had, um, we had a haggis and black, it, they were two separate pizzas, but we had pizza with haggis and black pudding on them. Okay. Walk us through that because that, in my mind, is a... It, it, it's that is like the pineapple on the pizza question because there you have there's no middle ground when it says pineapple on the, on the pizza. you either <laughs> yes you do or no you do not and, and and it's a militant yes or it's a militant no well what i will say is that being haggis being a very local scottish kind of a food you know maybe that's normal for us for them it's sure beautiful and exotic so it was the you verdict know, there. I guess I liked it. The black pudding, I think, had a red onion kind of chutney with it. It was really intense. It, it sat a little thick in your stomach after you ate it. Which is good. Which is Again, you're consuming scotch, which, again, has an average alcohol of 55% and can go high to 65, maybe even higher. So you're talking... Lots of alcohol here. Right. So you, you have this, you, what was the, did you, and now as far as that hole in the wall mm-hmm. place, what was the, what, when you walked in, were you like, okay, you just, you had this feeling it and you're like, yeah, uh, I'm down. Um, yes, it was a little brighter and shinier than most places, but it was full. When we first walked in, it's so full of locals. Locals, that's that, the key. Yeah, that definitely is the key. It had so many locals that they said, we can't get you right now. It, you can make a reservation. I think it was like 8.30 at night. And that was maybe an hour and a half later. That was as soon as they could get us in. So you know it's good if the locals are just like, yep, Lining up I'm to there, get there. And I don't care who gets a spot. I'm here. We're going. Yep. So the haggis... And uh, black pudding pizza. That's a, that's an. Well, they were two separate pizzas. Sure. No, no, no. I get that. I mean, that, but that's a. Haggis. That's... Just think of it like a meatball pizza. Right. So and that... don't blow haggis out of proportion. Well, it's salty though. It, I don't it... know that it's salty so much as it's very seasoned. It touches the same portion of your taste buds. I'll as, agree with that. As salt and and so that's the you know again because you're having a very peaty scotch. I mean, you are a peat girl. You are a descendant of the peat gods, I, and you're trying to go to their the temple. And so I did go to their <laughs> temple. So when you have a very, very specific taste, so how how did that pair? What did you with the scotch? Did you have one with those pizzas? And how did it pair? That's what I'm curious about. Honestly, I think we had the scotch afterwards. We had a beer with um, supper, if I remember correctly. 
We had scotch after. And it is supper. It is supper. It's not dinner. It's supper. Found that that little bar, the little one that's hidden off, you know. Get a knock three times to get in. And my God, they had the selection. They had Octomores I've never heard of before. And you guys know I love my Octomore. And we tried them. Some of them I liked. I actually found an Octomore that I didn't particularly care for. Well, it's on a scale. I mean, I still like it more than most scotches, but, you know, compared to Octomore. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that's good. So we're we're on day two, right? This is day two or day three? I don't remember. Because we're still it's the day hour. after we got there from the ferry. Okay, so we're still in our two and a half days. Yeah. So the you... next day we went to. Uh, we tour. We did a tour of Brookladdy. That was amazing. Amazing. It She's was... got this face on her. Okay, let's let's just pause here for a moment. She's got this face. She, you can tell when people remember things in there, and, and she she's going back. Lisa's going back in her mind, and she yeah. has this fond. It's a it, it's got to be good because she get has this nice little grin, and this, the eyes light up. Yeah. And so she's that was maybe my favorite, even over the Glenelachi. They're so close, but. But we'll argue about 99s versus 100s, right? Yeah. Okay. So so the reason I liked that one was because it was a warehouse tour. Excuse me. Not a tour. A tasting. A warehouse tasting. So you're sampling direct from the cask. They had a cask in there that was extremely old, and they did not know if they had enough to get through the entire group. That was there. So think so think about this. She is in a warehouse where they are filled to the ceiling with uh, barrels. Stacked three high, baby. All full of that beautiful, beautiful golden liquid. Golden liquid that we love so much. And again, they are taking it now, and correct me if I'm wrong here, they're taking it right out of the barrel. Yeah. And in right, what? Right out of the barrel. Do they use a baster to do that? I mean, yeah, it's more or less Huge. like a baster. An, an it's made of copper, <laughs> and I think it's called a um, dipper dog. Or I know it's a dog of some kind. Three thousand years of scotch making, and what's the name they come up with? A dipper dog. That's that's awesome. <laughs> but the guy is having to literally siphon it, like with his mouth, siphon it out of this barrel. And I don't give a crap that he's getting his saliva and mouth juice in there. She doesn't it's care. It's like yeah. Gimme, because this was so old, the distillery had closed after that was barreled. I mean, like, the whole distillery closed. Did they give you an age? They did. I can't remember it offhand. Well, if the distillery closed, it had to be greater than 10 years. It was around 94 or 96. Okay, so figure 96. And this was prior to that. So that's we're talking about 25-year-old. Right. And again, like we've talked about, every year... Of that out of that barrel, cask, a little bit of the angel share, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a liquid. Two percent approximately. It evaporates. So two percent you're giving away. I mean, so think about the the cost here. The angels need to drink too. God bless them. And this guy, you were right at the bottom of the cask. I mean, you were when they see yeah. the bottom of the barrel. Here's where we are. Yeah, but they were not kidding around. And so the people next to us, they. For whatever reason, they did not want theirs. And they were like, where do we... I think they were from Germany. They were like, well, where do we put this if we don't want it? And I stuck out my glass and I said, right here. Oh, right here, sir, madam, please. And they kind of gave me a look like, are you serious? And I said, yeah. Yeah, right here. Waste not, want not. Ah, if you're not going to drink it, somebody needs to. I am. And you're drinking it right out of the... Right out of the barrel, baby. So, um, we have that one. And there was a whole story that accompanied that. I believe I told it on a previous episode, so I won't go into it here. But we move on to a Port Charlotte, which is peatier. It was beautiful. But the one I was waiting for was that one on the end. And it was an Octomore 6.3. At the time, it was made... It was considered the peatiest that had ever been made. 
Now, we had an Octomore on this show right. recently, and what Octomore was that? Well, that was not the 6.3. It was not. It was a... I thought it was a 3 or a 4. It was an 8.1, 8.2, or 8.3. I can't remember Obviously, which one. my memory's terrible. So that was... So the so the, does the number correspond with the peatiness? So, i.e., the higher the number, the more peaty it is? No. Okay. So, um, from what I understand... You go in succession. So, like, the 8 is the 8th edition of the Octomore. So, they release one batch every year. Um, I cannot remember the details, but one of them is made from local barley. I think it's the 3. So, the point three, Gluten-free. All locally sourced. It's the, <laughs> it's the local stuff. The... Point one and point two refer to different things. And so, like I said, sorry, can't remember the details. I've had a little bit of scotch since then, a lot of sleep. But they that's kind of how you track them. And then um, that's what I was waiting for, that Octomore 6.3 right out of the cask. And it was absolutely amazing. Now, did, did it satiate your no, heat? No. Why not? Because I'm like a heroin addict. With... <laughs> okay, so literally, I'm wandering all over Scotland, the um, the island, the mainland, every single city we went to. Do you have an eight point three? Do you have an eight point three? Come on. Come on, I need just a little bit of just another hit. Just another just hit. Just a hit, baby. Can you hook me up? And nowhere had the 8.3. It is the peatiest ever made. So the one we had is roughly about 166 ppm. That's phenol parts per million. Correct, because we looked that up. It's Yeah, it's the phenol parts per million, and the phenol is a pH, right? right? To put it in perspective, a log of one has about 40. Correct. And the walk, the more that we had was... Roughly 166. Right. Was it, right. So we're, we're at 166 that we tasted. The 8.3 is about double that. We're in the 320s now. Okay, it's higher than that. Okay, so we're... We're not quite to four, but... We're close. Yeah, we're, it's we're like three and a half. It's around 360-something, 380-something. I mean, it's... It's insanely peaty. Could not find this in the entire country. They knew you were coming. They hit it. They put it all in the cupboards. They're like that crazy Ohio woman is yeah. looking yeah, for an Octomore eight point three. That's how you know you achieve the finer things is when they are hiding their scotch because you are entering their country. I just don't think it exists anymore because everybody who's tried it it loves it. It's gone got to get more of this and the point three like i said it's that local barley they had a weird rainfall that year and it just did something to the ppm that skyrocketed it and that's what you ended up with literally when they made optimore they did not know if they could go that peaty they well, thought that they were topped out at about 60 which is where you fall on an ardbeg 10 and they were like, it's going to be undrinkable after that. And Jim McEwen, blessed be his name, he said, eh, let's try. Let's try harder. Now, Who knows? Now, how did you learn? I mean, she's, uh, Lisa, you're taking the tour here. And now, for Pete, it's an agricultural product here. Mm -hmm. So, in any agricultural product, you're going to have a little differentiation here. So, how do they achieve... Now, you had indicated earlier that the rainfall. So, it was a... The climate, right, but the, let's the, let's get technical. So, right, so how does one achieve that level of peatiness? Is it, is it sure. what is it, the part of the climate? Is it the soil? What? Well, that's where I'm going to get technical. It's perfect. not the peat that's an agricultural product. It is, but it's more than it used to be. It's the barley that made it so peaty that year. The peat is... And barley, if you don't know, is just like any other crop. Yes, barley is totally a crop. It's cousins with wheat. It's a grain. Um, 
Now the peat, think about your compost pile that you might have in your backyard. Peat is compressed plant matter that has sat and compressed over a very, very long time. Long Eventually, they will run out of peat in Scotland. I will not be alive because I think it's either 10,000 years or 100,000 years. I mean, it's a ridiculously long period of time. But because it is, it, because it takes such a long period of time, because it, it, using that example, when you have a compost pile, composting does not occur overnight. Right. And, and peat takes even longer. If you look at it, it looks like dirt. And so think about that. You have a product where you are, first, it takes 10 years to make, you know what I mean? It takes 10 years to make the good scotch, 25 years to make the good scotch, right? And then it takes 10 years on top of that just to get the peat that you want. Right. So you're talking about 35, you could be talking about 35. Well, to get peat. 40 years. Oh, no. Peat is like a, I mean, it's been composting over thousands of years. We're not talking about decades. We're talking about thousands. Time travel. Peat is very long ago. They, they literally find ancient, ancient, ancient people with ropes around their necks in the peat bogs. Like people that have been sacrificed. We're talking Viking kind of stuff. You know? That's how long it is. Old. And that, so you've got a product here that you've got a finite finite supply because barley you can grow. You, barley you can you, grow. You can grow. So you may have a bad crop that year, but you're going to have a good crop the next year. Right. So it, it's some it's barley you can almost have an infinite supply because you can, uh, with this day and age of agricultural technology, you can always grow the barley. So what what do you know? What made the barley that peaty? What I've heard is the rainfall. Something about the rainfall changed the barley, and so it interacted with the peat in a particular way that made it ridiculously peaty. I'm about the end of my LFD. I'm getting close. I, I want to get through at least the Eiley portion of the trip. Um, well, yeah, no, no, I'm getting, I was going to say that uh, this is a strong cigar. It is. This is a strong, the LFD is a strong cigar, and I could tell that. For a, for a combination of reasons, because of my own reactions, and I know how I smoke sure. cigars. Um, so it is a strong cigar. Now, we had a strong, strong scotch last week. Um, Quite so. We had the Octomore last time. So this would, I, think so, this would, I think this would go well with the Octomore. I know mine would. Perdomo is very strong. It's, it's really intense, and so it would have paired well. I did a very, very, very mild cigar with it. I don't regret that, but it was an odd choice. It was the mood you were in. Yeah. Yeah. So you are, we're getting close to the end of the island, Isla here, on the island. So the last day we visited um, the big three bad boys, the ones that everybody in the States know, Lagavulin, Lafroy, and Ardbeg. Um, We've all seen it. Yeah. Ardbeg 10, everyone's familiar with it. And you, first time I had it, I made a horrible face. I was not a fan of peat at that point because I hadn't experienced it. And I don't know why I made it back around to it, but decided, okay, that wasn't so bad. And sampled it again. And it was like, okay, that's actually good. And started researching, okay, well, what's the peatiest scotch ever made? I want to try that. And found the Octomore, and that's how I got on that kick. The Laphroaig was one of my favorite distilleries, just because you walk up and they have... And I got a bar mat out of it, so that was very nice. He did. You're welcome. They have a wall of little ceramic plate kind of things that are mounted onto this wall when you're entering the gift shop, the visitor center. And we did a tour there. Um, no, sorry. Before we did not tour, Lagavulin we did. You go into Lafroy, they've got these ceramic plates and they have quotes on them 
of things that people have said about Lefroy. The, my the favorite, reviews, the reviews. And they're good and bad and very mixed. Like my very favorite one was, it's like growing a beard in your throat. <laughs> I know. I love that. You know, is that a compliment? Is that a complaint? Who knows? Who knows? I'm in. And so you walk past all of these. I took photographs of literally all of them so I could crop and blow each one up if I wanted to and just frame it. It's really cool. And I got some Lefroy cheddar. That was Ooh. delicious. Did you pair that with uh, any meal or just tried it? Just tried it at right there at the distillery. And then I don't know if you guys are aware, but when you buy a bottle of Lafroyd, they've got an insert in there. And you can go on their website, sign up, and you now own a little square foot of Lafroyd plot. Correct. So you can own a little piece of the land. So is it like one square foot? I think so. Something of that nature. So when you visit the distillery, they've got a museum. How many square feet did you buy? <laughs> just one. You can only get one. But you go in the museum and they've got these books on a bookshelf. And it's full of names. And you find your plot and your name. And you can sign next to it. Yes, I visited. And you go and you borrow wellies, which are like, they're, um... Galoshes. Boots. Yeah, boots. boots. Rubber boots. And you wait out and you take a flag with you. Where are you at in the world? Where are you from? And you plant your flag on your plot of land. And then when you go to the visitor center, you tell them, yeah, I'm here. I'm an owner. And they say, oh, well, thank you for paying your rent. Sure. And it's considered paying your rent to visit them. And they give you a little little baby bottle of Lafroyd, and that's paying your rent for the year. And I'm like, well, I, I'll be why back. am I not getting <laughs> rent here? I could get that kind of rent. I am coming back for more rent. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. It's a really neat concept, just lots of fun. The guy who was tending bar there, giving the little samples, can only give a sample of one certain one. It's their more well-known easy to get. But I saw a guy come up and he just looked like the sort that, well, I want to try this because it's the most expensive and sure, sure. the favorable one and one, of those one to drink. One of those things. Yeah. And the bartender said, yeah, I don't think you're going to like that. Nope. Try this instead. And the guy did and he was like, okay. Well, me and Lenny go up, and we're like, well, we want this particular one, and we're talking about the different characteristics that we like in it. They, the bartender made a comment about, you know, people like you, you know what you're looking for, you know exactly, I don't need to steer you in a particular direction. Right. They could tell. Yeah. You're not an amateur. So I, I appreciated that. He's trying to get everybody something that they're going to actually enjoy rather than just, this is the fancy thing that I'm told I need to drink at right. this they're, location. They're not just selling product. They are saying, okay, Lisa, Here's you're going to... what's right for you. Right. You're going to like this, Lisa, and then Wes, you're going to like this, and they're going to be two mm -hmm. different things. Right. Exactly. So, that was really cool. Um... Yeah, Sounds awesome. We did all nine, technically, of the distilleries, and then got back on the ferry, headed over to Edinburgh that night, and that is where we will pick up next time. This has been the Finer Things Podcast. I am Wes. I am Lisa. Podcasting live from the Members Only Lounge in the beautiful Cigar Lodge in Akron, Ohio. Thanks again for listening. How do we find you, Lisa? I am Intricate Girl on Instagram. You can find me at the Jet Set Lawyer. Uh, again, thank you for the donations at the Patreon, our Patreon account. It's patreon.com slash the Finer Things Podcast. Again, we appreciate it. We've got to keep sending Lisa back for these samples. Yes, please. And rent. So let's not forget uh, that. i got to pay my rent, guys. Got to. Got to. Now, Lisa, give me one good thing. Uh, one good thing. 
I have, when I was over in Scotland, I had a new associate attorney start working for me. I've gotten a law clerk since then. Literally before I went to Scotland, it was just me. And then I get back from Scotland and there are kind of four people sort of reporting to me, which is a little nerve wracking and terrifying and exciting. I mean, really exciting. Really exciting. One good thing for me is kindergarten orientation. <laughs> that is not a good thing. It's a good Kindergarten's thing. Kindergarten's a good thing. Orientation, never Kindergarten thing. orientation. We're going to call that a good thing. Anyway, thanks again for checking us out, and until next time, take care. Bye, guys.